For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So we continue today as we look at the importance of doctrine. We completed our understanding of the Father and the Son. We looked at the Trinity as a whole, and we saw that the Trinity in and of itself is self-sustaining. The Father loving the Son, the Son loving the Father, and their love being expressed through the Holy Spirit that lives within them. This triune God who lives in perfect community with one another. We see that in their mind, they came up with a, a plan of salvation, this plan of redemption to save the elect, to save the sons and daughters who would come to believe in faith. And this plan that they concocted together was actually a, a plan that needed to, to have a certain path because of God's character of being holy, of being love, of being a God of justice. These things never change about God. They are, are part of who he is. And because of that, this plan of salvation could only have sort of one turn. And that is if they were to send the second person of the Trinity, Jesus himself, down to earth to become the second Adam, to accomplish what the first Adam could not do, to live the righteous life, to live that perfect life, so that in his death, he may take away from us our sins and the wrath of God that which we deserve. And in its place, he would give to us or impute to us that perfect righteousness. So that at that day, when we are before the Lord at judgment, God does not see our works, but God sees Jesus' works. Our works have been paid for already at the cross. God's judgment has been placed at the cross. God's wrath has been poured out at the cross. That day that when we stand before the Lord, we will receive the, 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 the judgment of righteous, and we will be given that crown of glory with the Lord. This is the plan, and this plan fulfills God's need for righteousness, God's need for justice, but it also fulfills God's joy in expressing his love for his people. Yesterday, we saw how the Holy Spirit sort of works in this plan. The Holy Spirit, being the third person of the Trinity, is a person of himself. He is like the Father, like the Son. He's just a little bit more inconspicuous. He does not want glory for himself. His job is to bring glory to Jesus. His job is to point all people to Christ and his work. His point is to point 
people, God's people, to the triune God and the majesty of the Father, the majesty of the Son, the majesty of the Trinity, the God himself. And this spirit that comes upon us as believers helps us, as we saw last week, to understand that what happened in history, that Jesus' death and resurrection belongs to us, belongs to you, belongs to all who believe that what Christ had done on that cross and that in his resurrection, that he has taken away sins and given life, belongs to those who believe. So the Spirit's first job, first role, is to apply justification by faith, to apply righteousness, to apply the finished work of Jesus, to us who believe. In many ways, it's sort of like if your parents had lots of money, lots and lots of money. They own the money. There will come a day, perhaps, when your parents will say, you know what, I want to be generous, and I want to give to my children, perhaps. But at this point, that wealth doesn't belong to you. But there comes a time when they sign that document that says, this inheritance will be passed on to my son and to my daughter, dot. The application of the wealth of the parents gets passed on to the child. And in many ways, the, the Holy Spirit, as we see in Ephesians chapter 1, is that seal it's that signature, it's that signet, that seal that says to us, all the riches in heaven, all the riches of salvation belong to you. Transaction complete. Transaction finished. And this is important to understand that salvation is by God's grace. Salvation is by God through God's generosity to you and to me. Praise be to God who has given himself to us. Praise be to God who has shown himself to you and me. Today, I want to take sort of the next broad stroke in terms of what the work of the Holy Spirit is. It's not simply to apply the works of justification, but it's also to apply the works of sanctification. You see, the Spirit here is more than just that signet, that signature to give us all the wonderful works of salvation. But the, but the Spirit is that counselor that continues to help us to understand what that salvation is about. Now, again, if I can keep with this financial metaphor, if you were all of a sudden bequeathed a lot of money, 
you would want someone who could counsel you about money, right? You wouldn't hire someone to counsel you, counsel you about food. You would want someone who could counsel you about what you've been given. How do I invest the finances that I have? How can I be generous with the finances that I have? How, how does money work in this world that we, we live in today? How can I best sort of navigate it in order to uh, sort of maximize returns, but also maximize the way I can do good in this world? That counselor is a money counselor because your inheritance is money. You hear that? The Holy Spirit is, is very similar to that in the sense that your inheritance is simply salvation. It's the knowledge of who Jesus is and the knowledge of God. And so when the Spirit comes to counsel you, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to counsel you about anything else, something else, but the Spirit here is to counsel you about Jesus, about God, about how the spiritual world works, about how your heart needs to change, how your priorities need to change, and how your love for the giver of all these good gifts of salvation will continue to grow. We need to be careful. Last week I talked about the fact the purpose of the Spirit is to lead you to Jesus. The Spirit is witnessing about Jesus. It's the same thing with sanctification. The purpose of sanctification is to lead you to love Jesus and to love the things of God. In our world today, there is something called the prosperity gospel. This gospel is not really a gospel. This gospel teaches you that the purpose of being a Christian is to be healthy and wealthy. That God wants you to live a really, really good life here today. God wants you to have that big house. God wants you to have a lot of wealth in terms of financial wealth. God wants you to have sort of a mental stability where you have no more worries. God wants your, your brain to be completely fixed in this world. And for many people, they believe that the purpose of God and the purpose of the Spirit is not to lead you to Jesus per se, but lead you to fulfill your own heart's desires. This cannot be further from the truth. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not for you to get what you want. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not for you to be wealthy in this world. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not for you to have perfect health, physical or mental. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not for you to have success in this world. In fact, it is one of the greatest lies that, unfortunately, American Christianity has exported 
to this world. And it's one of the greatest lies that we ourselves tell ourselves as well. That God, I deserve to have a good life. I deserve to have the American dream. I deserve not to have to worry ever again in my life. I deserve not to have anxiety, depression, or whatever it may be in my life. And if we believe that this prosperity gospel, whether it's health, whether it's wealth, whether it's mental or physical health, is the purpose of God, then let me tell you this right now. God will fail you. That God will fail you. Because scripture does not promise any of those things. And if we look in the world around us, we will see nothing but failure in all of these things. People continue to get sick. There are millions and millions of people who believe in Christ who do not have the lifestyle that they desire. There are millions and millions of people who wrestle with, with mental issues because of the fallenness of this world and yet still believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be blessed, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to obtain what God has promised to give you, the purpose of the Holy Spirit is for you to grow in your love for Jesus. And that here, as we see in Ephesians, God will give you the spirit of strength to grow towards him. This is sanctification in, in a nutshell. Sanctification can, can be defined in many different ways, a, a growth in holiness, uh, a growth in our, our, our ability to, to love God and to love people. And all of these are true. But I think a, a simple way to put it for you and me is sanctification is our growth to love Jesus and to love all the things that Jesus loves. This is, this is our, our tagline for our church. We, we want to grow in loving Jesus and to love all the things that he loves. This enables us to, to grow in who we were meant to be. This is the job of the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives. The Holy Spirit is not simply about living a good moral life. And this is the second lie. Oftentimes, we, we, when we read the, the, the scriptures, and it says, for instance, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Then when we read these things, we say, these, these are great attributes. These are great moral attributes. In fact, these are attributes that I could probably find in other religions. In fact, I could probably find find texts in Confucius that, that talk about this as well. That we are to, 
to sacrifice to one another, that we are to respect one another, that we are to, to help one another. And this sort of moral understanding of the Holy Spirit is not what Galatians chapter 5 is talking about as well. And we have to, again, trim our understanding of what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. If we as a church simply say, we're here to just love people, help people, we're here to make people happy, we're here to make people laugh, we're here to sort of resolve conflict and help people see different sides of the story. We're here, we're here to, to help people who've gotten hurt. And if that's all that we did, that would not be sufficient to say it's the work of the Holy Spirit. In fact, outsiders will come into our church and say, this is a wonderful Wonderful, loving community. I love the therapy that you offer. I love the understanding that you offer. But it would still not be enough. It would not be of God. The Holy Spirit there, when you look at Galatians chapter 5, if you look at this totality of, the, of, the, of um, Paul's letter to Galatia, the purpose of of the, the, uh, what, what Paul is saying there about the fruit of the Spirit is that it is the, the fruit of the Spirit is the love of God. The fruit of the Spirit is patience with God or patience in God. The, the fruit of the Spirit is joy in God. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness in our Savior that all of those words in its context is under the context of the greatness of the salvation we have in Jesus. And so when we say to the world, the fruit of the Spirit is my love for God and my love to share that love of God with others, the world will not understand it, and it should be like that. If we say that the fruit of the Spirit is my faithfulness towards God and His faithfulness towards me and my faithfulness to, to help others to see the love of God, then the world will not understand that. And that's exactly the point. The Spirit here is not here to mix with the other philosophies of the world. The Spirit is here to set you apart and to show you that you are children of the living God. And so, brothers and sisters, at the very least, listen to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach you. You belong to Jesus, and Jesus loves you. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is teaching you. Go and find more of who Jesus is and love him. Lastly, the Holy Spirit is here not to teach us simple head knowledge of God, but the Holy Spirit is here to teach us heart knowledge or personal knowledge of God. And this is where sort of you'll, you'll see why the prosperity gospel fails, and you'll see why the, the moral 
ideas of Christianity, moral, moralism fails as well. Scripture teaches us that the only way for us to really grow in our knowledge and our closeness with Jesus is through our brokenness and through our suffering. Let me say that again. The only way that we can grow in our love for God is through our brokenness and our sufferings. This is what the Spirit used to show us the grandeur of God's love, the brokenness and sinfulness of this world, and yet the salvation and the hope that's offered in Him. Second Corinthians chapter one talks all about this, that we are to suffer with the same sufferings of Jesus. That doesn't sound like a prosperity gospel to me. That doesn't sound like moralism to me. But we were to suffer the same sufferings as Christ, that we may be comforted with the same comfort that Christ was comforted with, with, with God's spirit, with God's presence, that we may be able to comfort and love other people because we've experienced that comfort. And you see, there's, there's something very different about knowing about God and knowing God. We can study theology all that we want. And in fact, many seminary students in the beginning, they, 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 they learn so much about theology and so much about who God is. They have so much Bible knowledge in their head that they feel like they're about to explode. But knowing about God and, and knowing God are, are totally different things. Think about it this way. Do you remember that time where parents would say to you, listen, there's this thing called coffee. It's absolutely delicious. But you're not allowed to have it yet. You're too young. You're not allowed to have it yet. You're too young. Your caffeine's not, not good for you. When you hear the adults talking, they're talking, I, I love the taste of coffee, the richness, the, the flavors, the, the, the different notes of, of different coffees from different places around the world. And you as a kid, you're listening, you're like, Man, the coffee must be wonderful. I wonder when I'm going to be able to taste it and, and enjoy it. And then you as a kid, and this, we do this as kids, right? We, other friends we have around us, they'll say, hey, have you tasted coffee before? And you go, in your head, you haven't. But in your mind, you're like, I have because I've, I, I sort of have because I've experienced it through the, the experiences of my parents and other people. You're like, yeah, coffee's really good. It has great notes and great, you don't know what you're talking about, but you're only, you're only sort of parroting what other people have said to you. You have a, a knowledge of coffee, but it's different once you taste it. And you're able to experience what it's like to, to have a really good brewed cup. And you're like, wow. My world has changed. The way I perceive coffee has changed. 
the taste of coffee has changed. This is how I picture the Israelites when they were promised a land flowing with milk and honey. I could only imagine them saying, what is this honey going to taste like? What is this milk going to taste like? They know it's going to be delicious. They know it's a a blessing from the Lord, but they still haven't tasted it yet. Knowing about God is one thing. The Holy Spirit does the second thing. It helps you to taste God and his goodness and his love. And it enables you not to share about what you hear about God or know about God what you have experienced with God through the counsel of the Holy Spirit in your life. We do not know God with the eyes of our, of our brain. But as Ephesians 1 says, we want to know God with the eyes of our heart. to know him deeply. This is what the Holy Spirit does. Shows you who God is. You experience and know God through your suffering, through your difficulties. And you become that person in Galatians 5. The love of God grows in you. The joy of God grows in you. The peace of God grows in you. So forth and so forth grows in you. And then the people around you sees that this one belongs to Jesus. This is our only hope. This is our one and only path towards freedom. This is, like I said, our one and only path towards freedom is to know Jesus no matter what circumstances comes our way. To be thankful for all things that Jesus has placed in our lives. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't be distracted. Don't let Satan burrow into your brain lies. Life is simple for us who know Jesus. Read his word. Go to him. Pray to him. Walk with him. And he will surely bless us. Bless us with his presence. Praise be to God. Who has divulged all of his plans to you and me. Praise be to God. That he's given us his spirit to to guide us about the riches of, of salvation. And the riches and the tools of sanctification that we have. Praise be to God that we're not here to reinvent the wheel. Praise be to God that all we need to do is obey. Let us do so, that our joy may be full.
Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love in our lives. Lord, we confess to you that at times we have not been discerning your voice well. It's actually been the the evil one, the voice of the counselors of this world, or the voices of doubt in our own heads, all of these things. We confess, Lord, that we have forgotten that you are the only source of hope of all things. Lord, we confess that we are frustrated at times from, of our own brokenness. Many of us suffer from um, so, um, um, physical health. And many of us suffer from, from mental health as well. And many of us suffer, Lord, just because this, this world is broken. And Lord, we're frustrated. And Lord, we desire for all things to be perfect now. But Lord, help us to see that your presence is in all things again. That our primary duty as your children is to grow closer to you. And to see how you love us. But even more importantly, how you love other people and how you love this world. How you have a perfect plan of how to make this world perfect in your return. So Lord, help us, Lord, not to sabotage those plans, not to be frustrated by your plan, but to simply walk with you. Let your spirit guide us in that, that you would be our general, we will be your followers. And wherever we are, to allow your kingdom to, to reign in us, to bring hope to all people, to be generous to all people, to show all people that salvation is here in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.